Good day, everybody. This is E. Marceau Pertut, and welcome to another edition of the Gridiron Blitz. We're going to recap the first full week of the NFL season. Yes, we'll get to Aaron Rodgers and the drama from last night in the Jets' overtime victory over the Buffalo Bills. We'll delve into the other New York team having probably the worst performance I've ever seen in a regular season contest and a lot more going on in the world of sports, at least particularly the NFL. But always to follow us, you can always go to our social media platforms on Twitter and Instagram under Sports Inquire. That's all one word. You can also go to our Facebook page under the Sports Inquire to see everything that we have going on. And finally, you subscribe to us on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, iTunes, wherever you get your audio and video content, just head there and be able to follow everything that we have going on. So week one in the NFL season, a lot going on uh, with that. And last night was really the the ebbs and flows of a fan base that you can really expect that shows the highs and the lows, and then the highs again, all within a three-hour or four-hour period. And we'll get to that, to that Jets contest in a moment. But overall thoughts on the first week of the NFL season. And I always say the two things that you notice in the first few weeks of the year, and I guess they do kind of tie together, are injuries, injuries slash fatigue by the players, in close contests. And it starts off with the preseason. And I'm not in my 50s or 60s, and I'm not quoting like the, you know, back in the olden days, but I do remember a time when there were four preseason games. You'd have starters play all four of the contests, well, at least the first three uh, in pretty solid form. Coach players went through two a day practices. Physically, you saw more preparation for the upcoming year. But understandably so, between the large amount of money of the contracts and coaches and general managers, team owners, honestly, not wanting their players get hurt in the preseason or practice before the regular season even begins, you're seeing a reduced number of practices. You're seeing certain players not even play in the preseason. While that gives them an increased chance to make it to the regular season uninjured, you go from zero to 60 real quick uh, when you have that philosophy. You go from practicing once a day and you know trying to stay healthy to playing a full regular season contest all four quarters, usually in high temperature weather around the country, you know, for the most part, because we're at this time of year. That's going to put a strain on a lot of the bodies. And it's very interesting listening to I don't know what the title of it now is, but Chad Ochocinco and Shannon Sharp, they have a new podcast on Club Shay Shay. And they talked about, you know, two veteran players, you know, one Hall of Famer and, and Chad had a very solid career in the NFL. Talk about the lack of repetitions and activity for players in the offseason, you know, during the preseason, and then not taking care of their bodies properly in the offseason. Uh, very intriguing uh, listen. I recommend that you do it. But the point is, when you have all of that, it's just tough to read how these games are going to go when they start the year. Because guys are literally playing themselves into shape 
to start the year. So it's very hard to predict these contests. You have a lot of close contests. Eight games were decided by one point or less, which is, yeah, eight point, one score or less, eight points or less. At eight games went down to the wire in the first week. 11 games were within one score in the fourth quarter. And so when you have those type of contests, you never know what you're going to see as far as wins and losses. Like, I, we haven't gotten to it yet, but the Tennessee and New Orleans game, 16-15 for the, the Saints, that had gone either way. The Titans won or the Saints won, especially if you bet on that game, good luck to you. Uh, if you had the overs or unders or one team favored the other, that's why these first few weeks are very tough to predict when you're doing analysis. But with that, as so you combine also those are the two things that you see is the lack of preparation by the players leading to and a lot of turnover on rosters. There's less consistency on rosters more now than ever. It's the NFL free agency. Uh, more trades happening than I think more active trades than ever before. You combine all that together, you're going to have just these back and forth contests where you don't know the winner. Uh, we also have just new quarterbacks uh, starting for franchises. I mentioned Carr in this uh, Carr in New Orleans. Yeah, three rookie quarterbacks and Bryce Young in Carolina, CJ Stroud with Houston, and then Indianapolis with Anthony Richardson. Each made their first career starts. And uh, so that's three rookie quarterbacks uh, starting the the first week of, of the season. So with those, you have inconsistencies there. You have guys like uh, a Desmond Ritter, a Jordan Love, Desmond Ritter with the Falcons, Jordan Love with the Packers, who technically aren't rookies, but they may as well be as far as getting – uh, playing time as, as the top guy, the QB1 of their respective franchises. They just have a lot of that going on, you know, with the teams. Or you have like a Russell Wilson with the, the Broncos. Obviously, he is an established quarterback, but he's got a new coach in Sean Payton. So that means that he may as well be a rookie. He's going to pick it up, of course. Yeah, he's a veteran. But with the Sean Payton system and everything they have going on, he may as well be a rookie for these first few weeks. So you add all that together, you just have a lot of inconsistencies, you know, with these contests. You also, I think, saw poor offensive line play from a lot of these teams. Yeah, Josh Allen for Jacksonville, Drake Jackson for San Francisco, T.J. Watts for the 49er for the uh, Pittsburgh, excuse me, and each record three P. Watts did it against San Francisco. Each record three sacks and we one, making this year the second season since 1990 where three or more players each had three-plus sacks in the contest. And last time that happened, 90 was, uh, wow, three Hall of Famers. Uh, Kevin Green, Derek Thomas, currently in Hall of Fame, Rodney Harrison, who I think eventually will find his way into the Hall of Fame. So that's a pretty lofty company. But you put all of that stuff together – just a bad offensive line play. I watched the Giants contest beginning to end because I'm a Giants supporter and no one had three sacks in particular, but I mean, I think Dan Jones ended up getting sacked seven, eight times in the contest. So that's just, that's terrible offensive line play as well. You know, so a lot of these teams are similar to the, as I mentioned, lack of playing time. Offensive linemen probably needed more than anybody 
just as far as getting continuity as a unit, learning their signals and their calls and their audibles, learning how to play to the man next to you, to the left and the right, or whatever your position is. And all of that's not happening in preseason action. I mean, I know you can practice and do reps all you want, but you're not in a contest playing against another team. It's going to be very tough to have that continuity to begin the year. The offensive line play was poorest overall in the NFL, and I think that's why you see uh, just those big sack numbers. Uh, we'll start with the Jets and the Bills. That's what everyone wants to hear about. If you're watching, if you're listening to the show, about we're recording this on September twelfth, two thousand and twenty-three. It's a it was a wild event, and I will say, being a, I joke with my coworkers. I was born and raised in New York City, so I still call myself a New Yorker. Uh, but I've been in the Southeast, particularly Atlanta, ten plus years. And considering the Southeast, it's been fifteen plus years, almost twenty years of living in the Southeast. So I've been in. I've spent more years technically in Nashville and Atlanta than I did in New York, but I was born and raised there. So I still consider myself a New Yorker. I guess I'm a New York native, but an Atlanta, Georgia resident. I think that's the way I navigate it. Point is, and I've mentioned I'm, I'm a big supporter of the New York Giants. I also kind of like the Jets too. I don't really get into the rivalry too much of like, I hate the Jets. I watched just as many Jets games as Giants games back in the day because I was football. So they would show the Giants game if there were the one o'clock slots, the Jets would be the four o'clock or they'd reverse it. And, you know, so I saw a lot of Jets contests. So I don't know about Browning Nagel and Glenn Foley and the uh, just uh, and all of the the, the Jets <laughs> deals or issues back in the day. And Ken O'Brien. So I'm aware of the quarterback carousel. But you thought that would end at least for a year or two with Aaron Rodgers coming into the franchise. And, you know, the thing is, and also on September 11th, the first weekend of the NFL season always coincides with September 11th or around that date. So as a New Yorker, that's always a very emotional time, you know, seeing that I was in Nashville at the time it happened, but still just know a lot of people, family and friends who were in New York when that happened. And yeah, still a very emotional time. But in this year, the Monday night game happened to be on September 11th. So you know that brings a lot of emotions to a lot of people. You saw a lot of patriotism. Aaron Rodgers running out with the flag. That was just like straight out of a – I'm a big professional wrestling fan. That was just straight out of the Hulk Hogan playbook in the 80s. Or uh, I mean, that was such a babyface move. And, it, and I, was, I didn't get teary-eyed or anything, but I was like, wow, that was a really amazing moment of him – running out to a stadium full of people and Jets fans, I, I mean, Jets fans and Browns fans, Bills fans too, but just franchises that have not won championships in 50 plus years and have fan bases who are just desperate to have a winner. And the Jets acquired Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, still in his relative prime or post-prime, but still very competent. Saw hard knots, all the hype with the Jets. You look at their squad defensively, maybe a top five defense in the NFL. You look at the, you know, Garrett Wilson on the outside, one of the top young receivers in the NFL. They brought in uh, Dalvin Cook, really strong running back to to join. Just you look at the squad they put together, 
and you're like, man, this team can they were a playoff team for me, and I still think they could be a playoff team. Uh, but you just have all of that hype. And in the first drive of the Jets season, at least on offense, four plays, and Aaron Rodgers goes down. And I think it was non-contact, but technically there was the Buffalo defensive lineman who, uh, who, t- who touched him while he was going down. You can see his ankle kind of twist in an odd way. And he tried to get up and tried to walk. But then when he sat down, you knew something was, like, not good. And I didn't think Achilles at first. And that's the report. By the time you're listening to this, the MRI is going to be done. And it's most likely going to be either a torn Achilles or a very severely injured lower leg injury. That's going to really alter his entire season, whether he's out for the entire year or it's going to be a significant setback. Um, as far as him trying to play this year. And so you saw him go down, and they had to kind of help him off of the off the field. But then when you saw the – he went to the, the, the tents on the sideline. That's what they do with injured players, just to check them out and put some privacy. But when you saw them bring the cards, that's when you're like, oh, no. And I didn't watch the Manning cast with Eli Manning and Peyton Manning on ESPN two, but I saw the clip and you saw, and I know quarterbacks know athletes know when they bring that cart out and you can't put any pressure on your leg, that's a bad situation. And when they brought the cart out and you saw see Rogers face just down despondent, it is similar. And I know this is a NFL game. So I don't know if you have too many Atlanta United fans or supporters or maybe some crossover for those that are listening or watching. But when we saw last year, Miles Robinson and Brad Guzan, two players for Atlanta United, tear their Achilles, it was kind of like the same deal where they made a move, not much contact from another player, and they just sat down and could not move that way. And they're just like, oh, no. That's like, it's not a knee, it's not a ankle, it's the Achilles. And that's when those happen, you know, you just cannot do anything. So when they carted him off and then you saw him with that boot on, going into the, the x-ray room, and they said x-rays were negative, that was not a surprise, he didn't break anything. Uh, but still, just seeing all of that, you just put, and it's really bad for the NFL and for supporters. Aaron Rodgers, he was a polarizing figure, some like him, some get annoyed with all the attention that he gets and just his approach to things. But he's still a star figure, a star player, and brings a lot of attention to the league and is a storyline. We love storylines as sports fans, as sports supporters. I mean, you have your team that you like individually. You want them to do well, but you want to see other teams and the drama that is the real-life soap opera of sports. And Aaron Rodgers and how he was going to do with the Jets was a strong storyline coming into the year. So that not happening most likely for the rest of the year is just very tough to see. But the Jets found a way to win the contest in overtime. And Xavier Gibson with the punt return uh, in OT to get the victory for the Jets. And it was wild seeing them win. Look, that celebration was like the Super Bowl. Robert Sala, the head coach, he was one of the first people on the in the end zone celebrating with the players because I think they realized deep down it's just the emotion and it was just pretty wild because I literally was the first series it wasn't like for Aaron Rodgers injury 
It wasn't like in the second quarter or third quarter you saw him get established, except a rhythm, good or bad, with everything that was going on. It literally was like the first series. And then you throw Zach Wilson in there and just sips, ebbs and flows. And he had a really rough first half, which was which was expected. You just got thrown in there. And I I don't care what you say. I know we look at these athletes as robots, uh, but they are human and they are emotional. And when you see your top quarterback, the one you're banking so much success on go down like that, it does take time to recover. And we saw that. Uh, with the Jets, second half you saw a lot more, a lot better. Uh, got the running game going uh, for the Jets. Garrett Wilson started making some big plays. That t- that catch in the end zone, that one hander, pretty much uh, on the in you know in the end zone was one of the more special catches you're ever going to see, you know, from a player. Uh, so it just you saw them kind of find a little bit of rhythm on offense and defensively they were outstanding. And you know, so the Jets get the win there. And I don't know if it was more the Jets winning the game or the Bills losing the contest. I mean, the Jets got went out there and earned a victory. But if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you have to be wondering what's going on with Josh Allen and the turnovers. Four more turnovers in the contest. Led the league in turnovers of really from a sense the start of his career. There's been interceptions and the fumbles. Had four turnovers, three interceptions, one fumble loss in the contest against New York. And just throwing the ball all over the place. And you see one or two throws to digs, and it's like, wow, this guy is making all-world throws. But then just throwing into double coverage, throwing deep balls. Like, there was one play where he had a, had a decent pocket, and it was around the 50-yard line. It goes back and just throws it towards the end zone. Not a bill within 5, 10 yards. It was like a punt. And one of the Jets players intercepted the ball. I don't know what was going on there. Like, he just threw the ball out there, and it was just lofted there, and the Jets DB caught the ball. And it's just like, what? what's the what's going on there? And Buffalo's still my division winner, and that's probably going to be the case because of Rodgers' injury. If he's hurt for the year, the Jets don't have a – it's going to be very tough for them to win a division. It, the, the chances are going to be very, very low. For them being a playoff team is going to be low because defensively you can do as much as you can, but you got to put up points and score. And the Jets have the talent to do that. It's just Zach Wilson, that guy. So, And then I think Miami, and we'll get to the Dolphins in a, in a few minutes, obviously, too, had a tremendous performance in that contest. But I'm worried about him staying healthy with his concussions. You know, So I, that's why I think Buffalo can still win the division. They still have a very good team, but those turnovers, when they face a team like Cincinnati or Kansas City or even a Miami or the Jets last night, those turnovers are just, they cannot happen. And it's been a few years now where we've seen that with him. And it's just very concerning if you are a Bills fan. What's not concerning is if you're a Cowboys fan, a dominant 40 to nothing victory at New York uh, on Sunday night football. I really don't know how much you can analyze this contest. I mean, the first two scores were a pick six and a blocked uh, field goal that turned into a touchdown for the Cowboys. So special teams and defense scored points. And I don't think offensively the Cowboys really brought much to the table. I mean, I'll see Lamb has some nice catches in the contest, 
Uh, Tony Pollard established himself as the top running back in the rotation uh, for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott, solid, didn't turn the ball over, uh, you know, was efficient. It was a lot of, it was, you know, tough weather conditions, a lot of rain, uh, but they didn't, did well to manage that defensively. I think the Cowboys could be maybe the best defense in the NFL. You have them another year under defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. You have, I think, three defensive player of the year candidates uh, in you know in uh, in Diggs, defensive back, uh, Lawrence uh, as defensive line, and then Micah Parsons. I didn't pick him as my defensive player of the year. I picked. Uh, Bosa from San Francisco, but Parsons was right there in the running, and it's it's weird because he's not he's a, he's got short arms, he's not the biggest guy in the world by the football standards, but his speed and just he's he's special. I mean, it's a there's no other way to say it. And yes, he's a cowboy, so there's a lot of hype with that. Just like I mean, Lawrence Taylor is my favorite, well, one of my favorite Giants of all time. And obviously one of the best ever. The playing in New York really elevated his profile to get the attention as one of the best of all time. And that happens with certain franchises. And Cowboys is the same deal. Either you get overhyped as really bad, as really good, or you really get criticized and picked on because you play for the Cowboys and all your games are on a big national stage. But he's legit. <laughs> Parsons is legit. Uh, and that... Defense is going to keep them in a lot of contests. I still think Philadelphia is better overall, but the Cowboys, I mean, they had maybe the best first week, you know, as far they played the best out of all of the teams in the first week of the season. And were the Giants a part of that as well? Yes, that was an inept performance on both sides of the ball, especially offensively. Uh, Daniel Jones, you signed him to the big contract, 40 plus million dollars. It just underwhelming, uninspired, a shutout, and not even able to get a field goal or get a score, that's unacceptable. To get shut out in the NFL, I mean, I know defense, the Cowboys defense played really out of out of this world in that contest, but to get shut out, to allow seven-plus sacks, I think it was, I think end up, the total end up being, I think, seven sacks that the Cowboys got in the contest, it may as well have been double digits because there are times where Jones, uh, by sheer athleticism, ran out of some of those sacks. And also, you know, just pressures. That was a poor off effort by the offensive line. And Saquon Barkley couldn't get going on a consistent basis. Uh, Darren Waller, the new acquisition at tight end, he really didn't catch his first ball or really get in the flow of the offense until the second quarter. I don't know if that's injury or maybe a game plan that was not right but you can't have that obviously uh, just a lot now the Giants are going to be aren't going to be this bad the rest of the season just like the Cowboys are not going to be this good the rest of the season that was a combination of both but Dallas looked really good and got give them credit for that uh, Detroit able to win at Kansas City 21 to 20 I like the Lions I have them winning the NFC North uh, I think that they have Solid line play. I think uh, Jared Goff is underrated as far as now he's, I mean, he was a Super Bowl quarterback. He led the Rams to the Super Bowl. And I don't care what you say about all of the other elements when he had with the Rams and all the other players, but him going to New Orleans, winning that contest in the NFC Championship game, 
very impressed by Goff. I think he's a very solid quarterback. He's exactly what Detroit needs. They got excellent running backs with the Gibbs now, the rookie, and Montgomery. Uh, you know, and there's uh, St. Brown at, at the receiver. Lions, there's our solid team. They should win that division. Kansas City, I think they'll find their way to win the division as well, even though Travis Kelsey's knee injury does concern me. And I know that they didn't have uh, Kelsey. They didn't have Chris Jones for the first week. Both Jones just signed his contract, so he'll be back at some point this year, maybe the next week or two. Uh, Kelsey, I know they're saying he was doing some stability tests, and <clears throat> they're saying that he was he's, his knee is going to be right for the net, you know, coming up this Sunday. But I don't like him being his age and dealing with the knee injury and as a tight end. You know, that's going to be a lingering thing for a while. So, I, I mean, I'm not saying he's not he's going to be out the rest of the year, uh, but you have to wonder his production. Is he kind of seen the tail end of his prime, of a Hall of Fame career, without question? Uh, but Kansas City, you do have to be concerned about that. No, uh, no outside weapons. I mean, Ed Mahomes is special. I think the best quarterback in the NFL, but still, you need some help. And I don't know if he has enough to be at that championship caliber this year. Now, it's week one. By the way, all these three thoughts and reactions, it's overreactions. It's one week of the season. Now, you do have some, like an Aaron Rodgers significant injury with the Jets. Yes, that's, it's the first week of the year. But yeah, that's something to really analyze and look at and see how a team is going to do. But you can't look at a team after one week and say that they're going to be great or they're going to be just terrible. Uh, you know, I and mean, we have some ideas of some of the teams, but it's a lot of season left to go um, as you progress through the year. I mean, San Francisco, my Super Bowl pick to represent the NFC, one at Pittsburgh, 30-7, to Brock Purdy, 220 yards, uh, two touchdowns, no interceptions. A first quarterback in NFL history to win each of his first six career regular season starts and throw at least two touchdowns in each of them. Uh, you know, so he is, you know, special, special player. Pass a rating of 95 or higher each of his first six career regular season starts. First quarterback in history to do that. And when you have McCaffrey, well, no, when you have, Purdy being able to be efficient and with that pass rating shows that you have McCaffrey getting hundred plus total yards, you know, in the contest. And you know, they have so many other weapons as well. Debo Samuel, he's going to get his, he's going to have his moment where he's going to have the hundred plus yards of total offense in some of the contests. And the defensively San Francisco, you have Wagner, probably the best middle linebacker in the NFL. I mentioned Bosa, my defensive player of the year coming into the year. You have all that together, that is a pretty strong squad. And to go to Pittsburgh, who I didn't have as a playoff team, but I thought – and I think they're still going to have a solid year. I don't know if they'll be in the postseason. That division that the Steelers are in is really, really tough. But still, get go on the road and win that contest was very impressive, you know, overall for San Francisco. And Miami winning at the L.A. Chargers 36-34. to Tua have 466 – uh, yards throwing three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, 11 receptions for 215 yards. You know, you add all of that together. I mean, that 466 yards is only Hall of Famers, Norm Van Brocklin, Tom Brady, and well, future Hall of Famer, Tom Brady, 
and then Dan Marino, who's in the Hall of Fame. Only those three guys have thrown more yards in a season opener than two was 466. Now, I'm not saying two is going to be a Hall of Famer like those three gentlemen, but that's pretty solid company, you know, to be in. And then uh, I said he'll register 215 receiving yards. Uh, he now has the third most receiving yards in season opening. That was third most in the season opening game. Only Fred, Frank Clark and Antoine Bolden had more. Uh, so his third career game, at least 200 receiving yards and multiple touchdowns. So he joins the Hall of Famer Don, Don Hudson and Charlie Hennigan, only players with those statistics, you know, in a in a career. So obviously Tyree Kill is he said he wants to get 2,000 yards receiving. He might get close to it because they get the ball to him in so many different ways. And it's a different approach. And Calvin Johnson got to 1,900 yards during his Hall of Fame career in one season. Obviously, you saw him just Megatron, the physicality, 6'4", 6'5", runs 4'4". So you saw his approach to getting the, you know, just an excellent route runner, you know, all of that combined together to get to 1,900 yards. Hill's a little bit different because he can go deep, obviously, but, but just his size, he's a smaller guy, he can go in the slot. You move him around all throughout, you know, the field. You could throw him some screens. And he so he's gonna get the ball definitely hundred plus times as the catches go, because they're gonna feed him the ball consistently. And he just has the ability to break so many big runs after catching the ball. He might get to two thousand. I don't I don't think he's gonna get there, but it's gonna be very close. If he stays healthy and if Tua stays healthy, that combination is gonna be really, really special. And that could be a Super Bowl contender. They really can be. And so I'm just concerned about Tua and his head health, you know, and because all it takes is one hit, and he's going to get hit, and he's going to bang his head against the turf because it happens to every uh, quarterback. We've just seen his history with concussions, so I'm concerned that he's going to have one of those hits and be out four to six weeks, out for the season, even out a game or two, and that can just alter what's going on with the Dolphin season. So that concerns me, you know, a little bit. Uh, Cleveland defeated the Bengals 24-3. to I mean, the Bengals are my Super Bowl team to win the entire, entire thing. So that's not a really good start for you, boy, uh, as far as Super Bowl predictions uh, go. Uh, but, yeah, it was just weird. Joe Burrow, I know he had he didn't play much this preseason, had that calf injury, and I don't know what was going on with the Bengals. He only had, I think, 88 passing yards. Didn't even reach 100 yards. In uh, the same week, that he becomes the highest-paid player in NFL history. So that's not a good omen. Probably his – one of his worst, if not the worst, regular season game of his career, or NFL game, really, for that career. He's had really good playoff games. Worst game, statistically, of his career. Besides the biggest deal in NFL history. I think he's going to rebound and have a really solid year. And the Bengals, I think, are still contenders. Uh, but, you know, they still got – they cannot protect the quarterback. Excuse me. And that was my concern, you know, with the Bengals going into the year. They have the talent uh, and uh, offensive the receivers got Chase, good running backs, solid defense, but they have still not found a way to protect their quarterback. And, and when you can't protect your quarterback, that's just a rough go. Hey, Cleveland, I think they could be – some had them as a playoff team. I was not sure. I mean, I know Miles Garrett is in the running for defense player of the year. He finished his second right behind Bosa. 16 sacks the last two regular seasons, so he's he's elite. Uh, but 
Deshaun Watson, I was not sure what we're going to see from him. He really hasn't played consistently in three years. Uh, first year of that was uh, the first two years were really for off the field issues. And you know, I'm not going to document all of that. You know what went on or didn't go on or point is two years and then sitting out with the Texans, him not playing really an entire year while the investigation was going on. And then last year, he got in, he was suspended, and then got in, I think, for the final six games of the regular season, did not look like himself at all. Uh, looked like uh, – and when he, was, uh, when he was at Houston, before the allegations and all of that went down, he was producing arguably like a top-five quarterback in the entire NFL, and he did not show any of that last season with the Browns. But I think a full-off season of no controversy, no suspension, you know, getting acclimated with the team – you saw him play a lot better yesterday. Uh, so I think the Browns, that's a good sign for them, you know, as far as them being a potential playoff team. Uh, Baltimore defeated Houston 25-9, uh, to nine, not a surprise there. Houston with Stroud, just a re complete rebuild down there. Uh, Baltimore looked, looked solid. Dobbins, the running back, being out for the season with the torn Achilles, that really, really hurts them. Flowers, the rookie running back, is really going to have to step up and be a critical part of the Ravens' uh, offense. But you know what? They're going to run the ball. You figure that Odell Beckham is going to have his chances on the outside to open things up. Uh, so I think Lamar I think Lamar Jackson's going to have a really solid year. I think the Ravens can be a playoff team. I didn't pick them in the playoffs, but I think that was a pretty solid way to start the year. Philadelphia defeat New England 25-20. to You know, I think New England defensively is there, but Mac Jones just not – he's not that playmaker – not that guy who can make the big throw on third downs to really get you to, you know, the next level. And I think that's where New England are going to be in a lot of these close single-digit uh, contests. They're going to win some, but they're going to lose more. And I think that's what really is going to limit them overall. And then Philadelphia, yeah, I mean, it's tough. You go from losing the Super Bowl. We all know about the Super Bowl hangover. It's talked about a lot. And you have all of that going on. But still, the final way to go to New England and win that contest, get the victory, was good. Hertz wasn't – I mean, Hertz was solid. He wasn't great. Uh, but still, it's a win. A win is a win. And it's the first game of the season. They're going to progress and improve and I think find themselves right up there among the best teams in the NFC. Just running through the rest of the contest, Tampa defeated Minnesota 20-17. to And Justin Jefferson, it was, it was very apropos – the very end of the contest, him sitting on the bench alone while the clock was winding down. He had nine receptions, 150 yards in the contest. He has at least 100 receiving yards in 25 of his first 51 contests, surpassing Hall of Famer Lance Allworth for the quickest guy to have 25 career games of 100-plus yards. I mean, you look at him, at, and also he's 24 years old, uh, surpassed Randy Moss as the youngest player with 25 career games of at least 100 receiving yards. It's not easy the fastest to do it, but the youngest. And, I mean, an Allworth and Randy Moss, probably your top five of all-time receivers in history of the league. I mean, that's pretty good company for Jefferson. But it looks like he's doing all of that, and the team cannot find a way to win. And, I mean, I know it's fun to pick on Kirk Cousins. I've done it myself. But, I mean, it's just – you look at Minnesota, and it's just something is missing from that squad this year. And they also won – that single-digit games, I think there were 
10 0 or 11 0 in single digit con- contest last year, lost the first one this year. So when you have all those single digit contests that you win the year before and you lose the first one that you have in the upcoming, the, the, the next season, that's just not a good sign, you know, overall for uh, the, the Vikings, who I don't even have making the playoffs. I just run through the rest of the games. Washington defeated Arizona 20 to 16. Let's see. Jacksonville defeated Indianapolis 31 to 21. New Orleans defeated Tennessee 16 to 15. Ryan Tannehill, three interceptions. It's not going to, it's not it. He's not it. He's not the guy uh, for the Titans who you tell are regressing. Derrick Henry, who has been, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's been the, in a conversation for best running back the past two, three, four years. And, you know, arguably so he's been right there. He's regressed. That style of play is just their Titans. I am not very confident at all in what they're doing. Las Vegas defeated Denver 17 to 16. You know, second place in that division of the AFC West is going to be a toss up and it might be the Raiders. Maybe the Broncos find a way to get into that spot. Maybe it's the year the Chargers finally put it all together. Because Kansas City may be vulnerable, uh, but you know, good one for the Raiders as the, as um, they pr- prove there. The Rams defeated Seattle thirty to thirteen. I was not buying the Seattle hype as far as them being a strong team, and I'm not saying the Rams going to be a playoff team either. But and Geno Smith, good for him having a good year last year, but him to repeat that again now, I'm just very skeptical of that. Uh, so those are my thoughts for the first week of the NFL season. Leave your comments and thoughts through all of our social media platforms. Uh, obviously, you can start off on Twitter and Instagram under Sports Inquirer, all one word. Facebook under the Sports Inquirer. And then finally, follow us on YouTube, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, Spotify for podcasters, iTunes, and wherever else you follow us or however you get your digital video and audio content. Until next time. Good fight, good night, and be safe.